part one of this series on the life of Abraham, we consider Abraham's life and some insights on how God calls us and how we are people of faith journeying into seeing his call fulfilled in our lives. Let's go to Matthew chapter 17 and verse 20, where Jesus taught us how to release our faith. How do we give, uh, express or release our faith? How do we use our faith? Matthew seventeen twenty, Jesus said, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, remove from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. If you have faith as a mustard seed, he said, you will speak your faith. So this is what the Lord Jesus taught us. He said, look, if you have faith in your heart, what do you do with your faith? What are you supposed to do with your faith? Speak it. If you have faith in your heart, speak it. He said, even if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, speak it. Speak your faith. And then he said, something as big as a mountain will move. And he said this. He said, nothing will be impossible to you. Now, do you believe the words of Jesus? Are you thinking about it? (laughs) No, this is what Jesus said. He said, if you have faith, even as a grain of mustard seed, say, speak to the mountain. Tell it to move, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible to you. Amen? To us, people. So we need to, you know, uh, believe that word, act on that word. It's not just a nice scripture you underline with red. Next time you come, you underline with yellow. And, you know, it's not just meant for that. It's meant for us to live by. It's meant for us to walk in. And, and that's why we, we train ourselves that in, in difficult situations, don't speak your doubt, speak your faith. Don't speak your fear, speak your faith. Don't speak your failure, speak your faith. Speak your faith. And there's nothing wrong in sharing your problems or expressing your uh, need to somebody. I'm not saying don't do that, but he said, speak your faith. Speak your faith to the problem. So let's stand up to our feet this morning as we together make our declaration as a church, as a people, as we state what we believe. If you have your Bibles, please lift it high up in the air. Say this out loud, bold, and strong with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing. To many people, I receive his word, I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am an absolute surrender in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I just want to build up a little further on the word of the Lord that we received for this year. Um, Anybody remembers what the word of the Lord is? (laughs) A year of resurrected dreams. That this year will be a year of resurrected dreams. The dreams that we have given up on. 
dreams that we've forgotten, laid down as dead and buried, God, it's over. This year, we believe God is speaking to us that he will resurrect these dreams, bring them back to life, cause us to begin to walk into these dreams, to see them fulfilled. But one of the things that we did mention when we brought the word of the Lord and we pointed to is the life of Abraham. And we said this, that we must journey into our dreams to see them resurrected the way Abraham journeys. The way Abraham journeys in faith. And so we are going to spend three Sundays starting with today, the next, couple of, uh, next two Sundays, looking at the life of Abraham and trying to learn some lessons from his life. And this morning, we're going, to talk, we're going to talk about focusing on the first part of his journey, which we call as answering the call. How did Abraham answer the call? And what can we learn about the call that God gives to us as he invites us to journey with him into what he has for us? Now, when we use the word call, sometimes we think, you know, it's a very big word. You know, have you received the call? No, I don't have the call, you know. Uh, and we think of it as something very big, something very, uh, uh, very theological. But really the word call simply means an invitation. God is saying, I'm inviting you to come with me on a journey. And uh, I want to take you into something, into a destiny, into a dream, into a purpose that I have for your life. So when we use the word call, don't get intimidated by that very, you know, theological sounding word. It simply means come. I want you to journey with me. It's an invitation. Come go with me. Right? Now, what can we learn about the call that God gives to us, each one of us, as he invites us to journey with him into his purpose for our lives? For each one of us sitting here, I want us to know deep in our hearts that we were designed by God for a purpose. Amen? So put your right hand up and say this with me. I've been designed by God for a purpose. I'm not an accident. I'm God's dream waiting to be fulfilled. Amen? Each one of us, young, old, small, big, whatever, you are God's dream waiting to be fulfilled here on earth. You're not an accident. You're not not here to live a meaningless life. God has created you, designed you with a purpose and a destiny and a dream. And and each one of us must answer the call. Meaning, go with God on this journey to see his dream, his purpose for our lives fulfilled. God never made a mistake with any one of us. Now, let's look at Abraham's life. What did God want to do? God wanted to... Raise up a nation of people, a group of people, or you can use the word community. A a, a nation of people to whom he would reveal himself and he would send the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And through whom he would bless all the nations of this world. That was God's plan, intent, purpose. That's what he wanted to do. He wanted to raise up a people through whom he would bless the nations of this world by sending Jesus Christ. So in order to do that, he approaches one man named Abram. And he invites him on this journey. He gives him this call in order to fulfill that purpose. 
But what do we know about Abraham's life when God presented this call? Here are some things. I mean, I'm looking at Genesis, the 11th chapter uh, and the 12th chapter. The end of chapter 11. Here are some things we can know about Abraham. First, Abraham was a Chaldean. He was, a tri- he was of the tribe of the Chaldeans. They lived in a city-state called Ur, which in today's modern times would be in Iraq. And the people of that city-state of Ur were actually worshippers of the moon god. And that city, Ur, actually derived its name from the moon god in their language. So Abraham was actually a man who was an idolater, a worshipper of the moon gods. Not only him, but his extended family and all his ancestry. They worship the moon god. The other thing we know about Abraham at this time was Abraham was quite old. He was already 75 years of age, probably thinking of retirement. (laughs) He had not already retired. He was pretty old at this time. Third, we know that his wife Sarah, or Sarai at that time, was barren from the time she was young. And they had no children, so they were childless up until that time. And they were very old already. And the last thing we could deduce from chapter 11, chapter 12, chapter 13 about Abraham at that point was Abraham was a very rich man to begin with. He had lots of uh, livestock, many servants, a lot of wealth. He was a very wealthy man to begin with. So to such a man, God comes and presents his call, which we will read in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4. Here's what the Bible says. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old. When he departed from Haran. Now look at what God calls Abraham to do. He tells him, leave your present environment. Leave your family, leave your country, leave your father's house. And journey to a land that I will show you. I'm going to reveal that to you, but start moving. Get a ticket, get on the train, start going. I'll show you where you have to go. I'll I'll, I'll reveal your destination in, in the course of time. But then he gives Abraham the wonderful promise. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. Now, if you and I received such a call from God, what would you or me, what would we have done? And we are, with our logical mind, we start reasoning. Okay, God, first of all, you're telling me to leave everything. I mean, we've been planted here for generations. And I've got to leave all this. My father's house, all these large family that I have. And then you're telling me that I've got to, you know, I've got to leave my God, the moon God, that all my ancestors have been worshipping. And now I have to follow this God whom I've never seen, whose voice I'm hearing. I just have to follow him. And 
You're giving me a promise that really doesn't relate to my present situation. My present situation is this, that my wife is barren, we are childless for the last 75 years, and you are saying you're going to make us a great nation. Forget it, God. I don't even have one child. And also, the promise you're giving me, I don't have anything else. I mean, all the wealth that Abraham had was irrelevant when it came to the promise that God was giving him. Because with all that wealth, he could still not produce the child. So it didn't matter that he was so wealthy. God's promise was totally disconnected from what he did have. He had a lot of wealth that couldn't help him produce a child. And so, you know, Abraham must have gone through all this thinking, analysis. And yet the Bible says in in, in verse 4, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. That means, in spite of all these calculations that he must have done, he decided, I'm going to obey God. I'm going to just go out and follow this voice that that I'm hearing. and, uh, And I'm going to journey with God. What are some things we can learn about the promise of God, about the call of God, about the invitation God gives you and me when he invites you and me to journey with him into his destiny for our lives, for his purpose for our lives? Some of you sitting here, you're very conscious, you're very aware of God's purpose for your life. There are dreams inside you. You know you want to become something. You know there's something in your heart that says, I need to do that. I need to go there. I need to accomplish this for the sake of the kingdom of God. You're pregnant with those dreams. Now, some of you are like, man, I have no clue what I need to do. (laughs) That's okay. We all start there. But you start praying. Because the reality is that God does have a plan. And God does have a purpose for each one. So you begin to pray and say, God, what's your plan? What's your dream? What's your destiny? And as God reveals that to you a little by little, uh, as he unfolds that dream, that purpose for your life, here are some things you and I must keep in mind about his invitation to journey into that dream, that destiny. The first thing we can deduce from Abraham's life is this. As people of faith, we understand that there are times when we have to leave our present To enter into God's call and promise. There are times, and I'm not saying all the time, but there are times and often in our life, in our journey, God says, get up, get out. Got to get up, get out. Out of your present. If you want to journey into my destiny. And it can happen over and over again in our walk with God as he invites us into something new, something different, something uh, greater than where we are right now. He says, get up, get out. You've got to step out of your present to enter into your future. And that's the problem for many of us. We are so unwilling to let go of our present and that attachment to our present is a very thing that's holding us back from the future God has for us because our attachments to the present are so strong we are unwilling to let go now for some of us it could be geographic I'm not saying for all of us for some of us it could be geographic in our lives in my life we were living in the United States but that was not the place of destiny Bangalore was, thank God. <laughs> but 
We had to get up and get out. We had to come here to enter in and begin a journey into that dream and that destiny. For some of us, it could be geographical. But God does say, get up, uproot, and move to enter into our destiny. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's for all of us. For others, it could be a, a change in your career, a change in your profession. Get up, get out. For some of us, it could be more of an emotional letting go. And a, a, a letting go of certain things that you've been carrying emotionally. You need to let go. Get up, get out of that emotional state. Come into a state where you believe that God will do what he wants to do through your life. But you're, some of us may be so caught up. In that state of thinking that God cannot do anything of significance through me. And that is holding us back from our destiny. Get up. Go. Amen. So there are times. The first aspect of God's call. Invitation is we got to get up. Get out. Put your right hand up. Say this with me. I will not let the attachments to my present keep me from God's future. For my life. Got to get up. Get out. To get in. To what God has in store. For your life. And however. That unfolds in your life. That's between you and God. But very often. The invitation. God's invitation for our lives. Starts there. And if you're unwilling to do that. You are letting go. Of God's destiny. What if Abraham said, God, you want to make me a great nation right here in the earth of Chaldees? Do it, Lord. Of course, the earth is the Lord's in the fullness of it. You know, you can do it anywhere. What I need to go to a land that you're going to show me. I mean, give me children right here. And if he tried to argue with God, I don't think that would have worked very well. He had to get up. He had to go. The second thing about the call of God is we understand as people of faith, we understand that God's promises are not based on our present conditions, but on his purposes. God's promises are not based on our present conditions, but on his purposes. When God brings you a call, an invitation, a promise, he is not determining that promise by your present conditions. But the determining factor is his purpose. What he wants to accomplish through your life. That's why he brings that promise, that call. That's why he could go to a man, a woman, Abraham and Sarai, who were barren, and he could tell them, I'm going to make you a great nation. He could tell them that. Why? Because his promise to them was not based on their present condition, but based on his purpose, what he wanted to do on earth. But we must learn to respond to God and his call and his, his invitation, once again, not based on our present conditions, but based on his purpose. What is God calling? What is God intending to do in my life? Because my present conditions may actually hold me back and say, God, I'm sorry. You've got the wrong address. Go to my neighbor. He's got six kids already. <laughs> We tend to think like that. God, not me. You can't do this through me. Perhaps I've failed too many times. Perhaps uh, uh, my life hasn't been that really, really, real good. How can God do this through me? Perhaps I have lots of flaws in my life. 
How could God do this to me? So many things that, that could hold us back from that purpose. But remember, God's promise to us is not based on our present conditions, but on his purpose. And he will do it. He'll do it through your life. It's based on what he wants to do in you and through you. That's why. Put your right hand up. Say this to me. God's promise for me is not based on my present conditions, but on his purposes. Amen? It's his purposes. What he wants to unfold through you is, is the reason why he's bringing that promise through, to you. That's why he's birthing that dream in you. That's why he's stirring your heart about something. That's why he's, he's put that vision in you. He's put that, that, that passion inside you. Why? It's not based on your situations or your conditions. It's based on his purposes. He's put that burning desire in your heart. There's something he wants to unfold. Number three. As people of faith, we understand that our journey into God's promises is a journey of faith and obedience. I want us to go to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at verses 8, 9, and 10 in Hebrews 11. But the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is looking back at Abraham's life and he writes these words in Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Look at the first part of verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, he obeyed. So God's call. By faith, we understand that our journey into God's promises is a journey of faith and obedience. You have faith, but you also have to obey. You've got to step out and do something. If you have faith that God's going to use you to do something, let's say, in the world of education, and then you've got to obey. Maybe you need to do your B-Eds. Or maybe you need to go start working in some school. You've got to do something. You can't sit at home and say, God's going to use me to do something in the world of education. No, you've got faith. You also need to Obey. Put some action to your faith. Get out there. Do something. You believe God's going to use you to start a business that's going to make a lot of money and that, that you're going to bless people with. Well, you've got to add faith to it. Uh, add obedience to your faith. What does it mean? Maybe you need to go to your MBA. Maybe you need to start, you know, start working on a business plan. Maybe you need to start connecting with people. Whatever it takes to fulfill that dream. Faith without works that obedience without corresponding actions is actually dead. It's lifeless. It's unproductive. So our journey into the promises of God is a journey of faith and obedience. Are you still with me? Yes. 
You got to obey. Do what God is instructing you to do. Maybe you have a dream. God is putting in your heart to, that you will be, you know, a great writer. And one day the things you write will uh, shape, uh, will, will, God will use to shape and influence the thinking of many, many people. But you know that, and you may have faith for that, and that's great. But nothing will happen if you don't put action to it. You need to start writing your blog. Or maybe just a letter. Or an article. You need to start Acting on that. Amen. I remember. Back back when I was young. In those early teenage years. I used to write lots of letters. And. I used to write letters to my friends. Other believers. You know those days we had postcard. In a letter. No email. No whatsapp. No sms. But that's the way we used to do it. And. So I used to pray. I say, God, I pray for John. Give me a word for John. And I'll feel a particular verse of scripture quickening in my heart. Then I'll say, dear John, how are you? I just want to share this with you. And I write that scripture and write a few words. And I post it to him. And then when I went to college, I started writing little longer messages. And those days we had cyclostyle machines. Some of you don't know what it is. But <laughs> you know, when you want to make copies, we didn't have Xerox machines yet. I'm not that old, but little old. (laughs) We didn't have Xerox machines yet. The era before Xerox machines, we used to cyclostyle them. What what you had to do was, on a typewriter, you had to cut your, you had to type it onto a stencil, and then they would manually make copies of it. So in my college, when I went to college, uh, engineering college in Manipur, I used to write these articles on, on different things, things that were relevant to young people. And I would go get it, um, typed on the stencil and get the make, you know, make 70 copies. And then I would go and give it to all uh, my friends and others. So it, it went on that way. And uh, uh, when I went to the U.S., I would still had a contact with the printers here in Bangalore. And I used to write letters now by the time we had word processor and all of that. So to write, uh, write articles, email it to them here. They would print it. And uh, we had a mailing list. They would send it out. And it was only a few hundred people. But when we moved back to India, we started printing books. And today, it's been a long journey, but today our books go all over the country. I mean, just in different languages. And the PDFs now online are used by people of more than 140 nations. But where did it start? It didn't happen overnight. It started when I was writing those letters. A little thing. I just felt that stirring in my heart. But it started there. In fact, some of the books that we have in print, a lot of those messages were written when I was in the U.S. You know, when I used to write those two, three articles, uh, two, three page articles. Today, they've expanded into books. But it's, you know, it started, it, had a, it has a history to it. What is God stirring you to do? Are you putting some action to your faith? Or are you just sitting on your faith? Faith without obedience, without action, is useless. So in our journey into God's promises, we will have to journey by faith and obedience. You've got to act on what God's stirring in your heart. Number four, as people of faith, we understand That in our journey of faith and obedience into God's promises, 
we may not always have complete understanding of everything. The what, the where, the when, the how. Notice what the scripture says there in verse 8. It says, by faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. It's like how most of us men drive. <laughs> like, where are you going? I have no idea. I'm going somewhere. He went out not knowing where he was going. But many times in our journey of faith, we have got to be comfortable in living with unanswered questions. I don't know what, I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know why. It's okay. I know that right now I'm doing what God wants me to do and that's what matters. About tomorrow, I don't have the answers. Abraham went out, not knowing where he was going. Sarah must have asked him, Abraham, where are you going? I'm going to a place that God is going to give to us. Whoa, that sounds great. How far is it? I don't know. Uh, which direction? Let's, let's go start going this way. I, no. Do you have the address? No. But I'm going to a land that God said he will give to me. I don't have all the answers. But today... As far as today is concerned, I know where God wants me to be today. That's what matters. I'm obeying him now. Tomorrow, I don't always know. But that's okay. I'm journeying by faith into God's destiny, into God's dream. Last one, number five. As people of faith, we understand that even after we enter into our promise our eyes are on what is eternal. It's very interesting here in Hebrews 11, 9 and 10. It says, by faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country. Dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob. The heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Now. God appeared to Abraham when he was 75 and said, and gave him this promise. Abraham obeyed God. He journeyed with God. We'll look at that in detail next Sunday. When he was 100 years old, Isaac was born. Now, in Genesis 25, we have this information. When Isaac was six, so Isaac got married to Rebecca, and when Isaac was 60 years old, Isaac and Rebecca had Jacob and Esau. So how old was Abraham? Okay, math test. <laughs> Abraham was 160, right? 60 years later. Now the Bible says in Genesis 25, he lived to about 175 years old. Abraham died when he was 175. So for about 15 years, Abraham was living in the land of promise. He had Isaac and he, and he also had his grandchildren, Jacob and so that's what Hebrews 11.9 is referring to. He dwelt in that land of promise with Isaac and Jacob, with his son and his grandchildren. He dwelt there. That means now the promise is, has unfolded in his, in his life. That God truly has taken him to this land and God truly has given him his, Isaac and his grandchildren as well. He's, he's seen it. But you know what the Bible says in verse 10? That Abraham was not looking at what God had fulfilled. But his eyes were looking for a city 
whose builder and maker is God. What do we learn about the call of God? That even when God takes you into the dream and sees it fulfilled, our eyes must be on what is eternal, not on the fulfilled dream. But our eyes must be on what is eternal, what God the things which will last. Because heaven and earth will pass away. Here's the problem. Many of us, you know, when we get into that dream, then if we're walking that dream and living that dream, then our eyes get on what's happening. Ah, look, it's happening. And it happened because of me. No, you forget that actually God brought you there. It's happening because I'm so good. I'm this great man of faith. This, that, all the... Eyes get on what's here and now. Instead, Abraham kept his eyes on what is unseen. He looked for a city whose maker and builder is God. He said, God, thank you for this land. Thank you for my son. Thank you for my grandchildren. But my eyes, I'm looking for something that's eternal. And God invites you and me to journey with him into his purposes and those purposes begin to unfold and those dreams begin to take place in our lives. One thing we must always remind ourselves, keep your eyes on what is eternal. Too many problems happening in the lives of Christian people, the lives of God's people, simply because they get their eyes off what is eternal and put it on the fulfilled dream. Don't do that. I want to close with Romans chapter 4 verses 11 and 12. Why is Abraham's life so important to us? Why are we looking at his life? Romans 4, 11 and 12 talks about Abraham. Paul writes, he says, And he, that is Abraham, received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of faith, of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who are not only, uh, to those who not only are of the circumcision, but also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. The point I want to highlight here from these two verses is that God is saying Abraham is a father of faith both to the Jews and to the Gentiles. He's the father of faith. Meaning he is the role model. He is the pioneer. He is the foremost example. The forerunner of our faith. Follow him. Follow his example. Walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham. Imitate his faith. God's called all of us. To walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham. Journey like Abraham, journey with God into seeing his dream for your life fulfilled. I want to just quickly repeat these five things and then we're going to pray. Five lessons we've learned here this morning. Number one, as people of faith, we understand that there are times we have to leave our present to enter into God's call and cross. Number two, as people of faith, we understand that God's promises are not based on our present conditions, but on his purposes. I'll just back up to the number one point. I just 
want to make a side note here. You know, when Abraham left the Ur of the Chaldees, somebody went along with him. Who was it? See, God told Abraham, Abraham, just leave everybody, go. You know, Lot saw his uncle go and say, hey, Uncle, Lot, uncle Abraham, I'm coming with you. And so Lot went with Abraham. Now, whether it was intentional or unintentional, whether Abraham understood all of that, we don't know, but Lot went with him. And Abraham tried to accommodate that, but it couldn't go too far. Because soon there was a lot of strife between what Lot and his people and Abraham. And Abraham had to reach a place where God said, Abraham, Abraham told Lot, Lot, you go your way. I have to go my way. Meaning that sometimes, you know, when we journey into the, as we begin our journey into God's promise, sometimes intentionally, unintentionally, knowingly, unknowingly, we let Lot come along with us. Whatever God said, leave behind, you've got to leave behind. If you take it with you, it's going to cause problems. So leave Lot behind. Number two, Abraham By faith, we understand that God's promise is not based on our present conditions, but on his purposes. Number three, as people of faith, we understand that our journey to God's promise is a journey of faith and obedience. Number four, we understand that in our journey of faith and obedience into God's promises, we may not always have complete understanding of everything. We may not know the what, the where, the when, the how. Number five, as people of faith, We understand that even after we enter into our promise, our fulfilled dream, our eyes must remain on what is eternal. Don't give give lose sight of that. Could we stand to our feet, please? We'll continue this next Sunday. Just build on it a little further. I call our worship team up, please. As we get ready to close this morning. Would you please spend a few moments in prayer between you and the Lord? And would you just respond to what you heard this morning? If there are things in your heart that you believe God's calling you to do, would you say, God, if you need me to leave things behind, certain things behind my life, I'm willing to let go. Because I want your dream for my life. If God is speaking to you on, on that, then I want you to respond. As we journey with God, as we journey, take this journey by faith with God, we realize that what he's promised is not dependent on our present conditions. So maybe God's speaking to you about that. And you're saying, okay, God, instead of me struggling and trying to figure things out, I'm going to trust you that your promise will be fulfilled because that's your purpose. For some of us, maybe we need to journey. As we journey with God, maybe we need to act in obedience. We've, we have the faith, we believe God, but we're not doing anything about it. We're not acting our faith, we're not obeying. Maybe it's a small thing He wants you to start doing. Start doing it. It may be small, but you don't know what He can grow it into. some of us maybe we're stuck because we're afraid of the future we're afraid of the unanswered questions 
But that's where faith comes in. You say, God, I just want to obey you today, one day at a time. I don't always understand the what, the when, the where, the how, but I'm journeying with you. For some of us, we need to keep our eyes on what's eternal. Thank God for the dream that's unfolding in your life and all the things that have come together. That's exciting, but keep your eyes on what's eternal. On him, the author, the finisher of our faith. As he's saying right now, I just want you to respond. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you personally.
Father, we just stand before you as people who are eager to live for your purposes, God. As people who are eager to see your kingdom unfold in our lives and through us as individuals and us as a, as a community, God. That your purpose, your dream, your destiny, God, for us as individuals and as a community will be released, Father in our city, across our nation, and even into the nations. We pray your grace on each of our lives, empowering us, enabling us, God, to journey with you by faith, by obedience, to journey with you, God, a step at a time, a step at a time. pray that everything you purpose for our lives will begin to take shape and unfold and you make us a blessing. Thank you, oh God. Thank you. Let's close. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each one of us today and always. In Jesus' name, amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.